This week on Podcast 17. William has some insights into community-funded games. Emmanuel just won't shut his stupid mouth. And Matt not only discusses his brilliant mod, but announces the winners of the most recent of Modular Combat Contests. And William's not funny again. So stay tuned. This is mind-blowingly epic episode of Podcast 17. Cheers! Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Podcast 17. This is episode 15425 on July 26th. You just heard a little preview of our new intro video, um, courtesy of Emmanuel. Who's it the by? The best. Who's it by, Emmanuel? We're not going to tell anyone. Then they're going to go download it, and they're going to lose the the newness of it. Why That's true. That? That's true. Um, we got that already. We're going to be doing a new intro, so all you recorded listeners as well that listen to the recorded stream, I guess, um, just heard it anyway so we are here um on july 26th and we have matthew dryden and his group of cohorts almost like the three musketeers sitting in the call from uh, modular combat hi matt hey Marilyn. how you doing today <laughs> pretty good and we got joe also from modular yeah. combat hey joe i don't have a last name though I don't know how to pronounce your last name. I'm sorry. It's oh, like it's easy. Castagino. 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 You really butchered that. Casta. Not going to work here anymore. Yeah, it's not. Are you Italian, I'm guessing? Is your real name Joseph? I am, yes. Is it See, Joseph? he's Italian. Yeah. See, we've got a Greek and an Italian on this podcast. This is a recipe for success. Wait, should we should we be calling yes. you Joe or Joseph? It doesn't matter. Okay, you're now Joseph. We're gonna we're gonna call him Joe, Jeez. like with the, with the Boston accent. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we also have Andrew Watkins. See, his last name's a much. That's hard. That's not hard. That's not hard. But no. just call me Winston. It's simpler. Winston. Okay. Also from Modular Winston. Combat. I've never yeah. spoken to a Winston before. Well, We're gonna have to get crumpets and monocles. You're now oh, no longer a Winston Virgin then. <laughs> Where's Phil when you need him? And we also have Emmanuel, who's <laughs> talked more than anybody so far. Hi, Emmanuel. This is kind of like a, a, an insight as to how the rest of the podcast is gonna go. So you can stop while you're ahead if you'd like. <laughs> and Dan, hi Dan. Hey. With his sweet microphone. What do you got on your microphone today? I have a twist tie and some toilet paper. That's pretty badass. It is badass. You're, better, you're ghettoing that. Have you, have you ever been on thereifixit.com? No, I have not. But I will it's, go to it it's right a now. Of, it's, it's, a, it's like a site about... It just has pictures of people who just crap rig everything. Like this guy put an umbrella over his broken uh, sunroof on his car. And it's, it's pretty cool. You should check it. <laughs> Holy shit, that is a C-clamp on a battery terminal. Holy it is. Crap. <laughs> Someone fixed their brick building with Legos. It's pretty good. <laughs> that sounds like a good site. Have you, have you seen the one of the guy with an AC? Um, his AC broke, so he just got an AC unit and just ran the power to it and put it on his uh, in the window of his car. No. <laughs> it was really good. He, it would lean to the side, and it was pretty, pretty rigged. Anyway, moving on with the show. Um, we also have Nick here, but who doesn't have a microphone? Hi, Nick. Um, we'll never have a microphone. You won't ever so. have a microphone. It's, it's really a shame. Mm-hmm. 
Moving on to Podcast 17 news. Um, at the end of the show, for all those funneling in from ModDB right now, we're going to be announcing the uh, Modular Combat Contest winners. So stay tuned for that. I just wanted to sort of mention that before we get on with the show. And also, we've added uh, more slots to our live stream. So we're all validated and uh, we're verified is what I want to say. Verified. Didn't take us long. We just had to fill out some more fields and stuff like that. So you can send all your friends to the live stream, even if they don't know what Podcast 17 is. And we've got room for them. That's ex- exciting. So, uh, Emmanuel, don't you have something to say to all the Jewish listeners out there? Uh, well, first of all, Nick did make me say it. So if you have any hate mail, uh, complain to him. But uh, I am sorry. So let's uh, just move on to the Straight from the Mouth of Valve. Second. Sorry for your comments last. Let us. Um, straight from the Mouth of Valve this week. Actually, this is going to be a good uh, section. Um Valve was was interviewed by ABC. You say ABC, but it's actually Good Game, right? I'm I'm not sure what it is, but it, Good Game is this kind of gaming show esque thing, oh, yeah, and I've course. never known about it before this. But you know, um, any, what's that? I said I just read the uh, the the first part of the domain, but yeah, I, what's abc.net.au then? Is that just like a feeder site? I don't know. I wish we had Dave because maybe they have a an, a British section. I'm, I have no idea, but um, yeah. So good game, good game went all the way out to Seattle. What like four thousand miles or something like that, and uh, just to interview Gabe Newell, and he wasn't there. So the the interesting were... the interesting thing is though he catches back up with Gabe in this interview, and it's in E3. So this interview is fairly yeah. old. From what I understand, then. Well, yeah, I'm sure. Well, yeah, but it's only like a month or two, and even then, I'm yeah. sure they had to edit it and wait to put it in the show and everything. So, but um, yeah, it's actually very interesting. He brings up some interesting points, and I'm not sure why this is in the starting of the section. So we'll wait until the end to go back to this. But there is an interview with Gabe Newell, so do go and watch this video. Um, if you do download the WMV version of it, there's an extended interview with Gabe Newell. It looks like there isn't, but. There is. So download the extended version and watch that. It's very interesting. Game Noel is always very poised and composed, kind of the opposite of here, us here on Podcast 17. So give it a, give it a listen. Um, next, we have another Left 4 Dead update, which I'm pretty sure I could care less about. Well, hold on. Back, uh, to, that, back to that interview before we go any further. I want to mention yes. um, community-funded games. Because... No, no, that's why I'm waiting till the end, because we're going to go on and on about that, because we okay. do have the modular comments. I'm sure they have something to say about it. Okay. Then continue. So... Okay, so Love Your Dead update released. Lobby stuff has been updated as usual. They keep on har- harping on this lobby stuff. Okay. Not particularly sure why. Um, anyone, anyone, usually uh, Dan has something offensive to say about the, the, uh, this, this sort of thing. But... I hate lobbies. Lobbies are bad. <laughs> there you go. Um, My uncle lives in a lobby. It is four by three, and he has to read the same magazines every day. There you go. So with that said, Left for Dead update. Go check out the new lobby nonsense. Um, there's an interview with Robin Walker. Of course, you should check this out if you like TF2. Um, I think I'm about TF2 and Left for Dead it out for the summer. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh, um, my God. Yeah, it's just, I, I just replayed through episode two again, and in my mind is just filtering all information that doesn't have to do with episode three. So if it isn't about episode three, I really could care less about it. Ah, it's a sad story, isn't it? Yeah. But Left 4 Dead was at Comic-Con this week, and they had a lot of preview videos on the on the spitter and some hands-on Why? videos. Why were they, uh, they at Comic-Con? I don't, I don't oh. see the connection there. Well, you know, it's a niche crowd. We're 
comic book comic book fans are usually gamers. I I worked at a land center and we did uh we did sort of a joint sort of thing with uh with a comic book store in the local area as well and it went really well. Huh. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose the type of people who listen, I mean, who play that, well, I don't like comics. That's just me. I'm not much of a comic fan either. I, I couldn't get into it, mainly because I don't like words. Yeah, you tried Watchmen, didn't you? Yeah, well, I, I did actually get through most of Watchmen. Well, see, I like words. I just don't like when words are put on pictures like that. The only comic worth reading is Transmetropolitan. What's no, that? I've heard there's this... Well, I've heard about... Is this, isn't that from the same guy who did the abysmal one about the comic book character who knows he's a comic book character so he's kind of self-aware and a bit of a I don't know I've never heard of that but if it was by Warren Ellis then yes it was oh well Um, more Left 4 Dead information again Um, this time it's just details on the spitter and some videos of it which I don't really get it kind of looks like my fourth grade English teacher but (laughs) besides that I don't really see what it does. Actually, there was a bunch of hoopla and it's not in the show notes. Um, apparently, people are accusing Valve of stealing a spitter idea from um, someone in the Left 4 Dead 2 boycott group, which I'm not sure if I really believe or not, but... Um, I didn't hear any of that. Yeah, no, yeah, the Left 4 Dead 2 boycott group. What um, the hell is that? You've never heard of that? No. It has like four times as many members as the Left 4 Dead 1 bo- uh, just regular group. It's a Steam it's, group. Yeah, it's just a Steam group. And they're trying to yeah, boycott it's... Left 4 Dead 2 because they don't think it's... Yeah, they, they don't want to pay for things. So that's too much hassle. That's stupid. Yeah. Oh. Well, I can see their merit in wanting to boycott Left 4 Dead 2 because their DLC wasn't delivered as promised, but, you know, they are going to deliver, so... They say they are, and they... they actually, they announced DLC this week, the last, so... For the summer. Which, again, is not on the... Uh, Straight from the valve section. Who's who's in charge of this? I'm. I post the straight from the valve. Oh, well. Yeah. So I'm gonna find that information about DLC being um, announced for the summer. So that way you guys can look at it. But yes, it was announced that DLC for Left 4 Dead will be out this summer. When we say DLC, we do not mean PDLC. We mean DLC isn't just free DLC. So. Nice. Yeah, that's something. So- no four dollars for four new characters right okay that's gonna be thirty dollars for four new characters ah. in November 18th. <laughs> um well besides that uh let's get on to the uh uh well actually before we get started on that kotaku has a piece on the swamp fever um section of left 4 dead 2 if you go take a look they've actually had a hands-on play with it so which is, you know, I mean, it's fine, but I was watching the videos, all these left, all, all these hands-on videos, and like the Eurogamer preview, and the, and the Kotaku preview, I was just like, eh, they're just boring. Yeah, just I'm just... boring preview videos. I think we're, I think the consensus here at Podcast 17 Long to Listen is, is, okay, we played Left 4 Dead, um, you know, we understand Valve is in a, in between a rock and a hard place here, because they... They're not going to announce episode three before they're, you know, three or four months away from releasing it because they're not going to do what they did last time. So they have to just kind of fill the medium with, you know, stuff about Left 4 Dead. So, wait, Nick, Nick is a dissenting opinion. Do you see this, William? (laughs) Yeah, he always has a dissenting opinion. 
It's it, you, Nick's sort of right though. It's not the consensus. I think these these preview videos are only boring to me because you know it's Kotaku and Eurogamer doing it, and they want to show you know like vanilla Left 4 Dead 2 without any don't need any filters or anything like that so they're literally just videotaping people playing the game and videotaping yeah. anybody playing a game vanilla is boring so yeah that's true <laughs> well then I, I retract my previous statement anyone who is intelligent is bored of left for dead now moving on uh let's let's talk about this interview with game newell did you did yeah. you give it a a, a run a once over guys i did but and all I can say is that community-funded games... See, Gabe mentions um, in the interview at the end... I mean, he talks about piracy, but it's nothing new from from Gabe's mouth. We, we hear a stance on piracy, and his, his basic idea is that, uh, you know, make good games and make it easily accessible, then people will pay for it, and that's, that's perfectly fine. But his talk about community-funded games as, you know, venture capital, where um, the community can actually put some money into a game, so at this... For example, at this moment, maybe, hypothetically, um, we could put some money into the development of Half-Life 3. We own a share of Half-Life 3 as they're developing it. I would have no problem in that. I wouldn't even ask for a return for my money. No. I'd just be like, I'd throw money at Valve. But that's because I'm a diehard fan. I don't know how many see, other people would do that. See, they do get development money income and things just from Steam and all the other stuff. But you know, the main focus is here... They're talking about an investment system for mods, and this is huge. That that's essentially, Matt. You could say, well, we have no funding. We need sounds, but we can't get anyone. And we need, you know, this microphone, and we need these sound effects, and we need all this time in a studio, et cetera, et cetera. And you could say, well, here's our budget. We need forty thousand dollars or so. He maybe we can get this money from the community, and so you can put up an option for people to invest in your mod and you would have your capital to continue your mod. That's and and like the internet has not blown up yet over this news. I mean, that's fantastic. I think it's good. I don't know. Well, what I think oh, Sorry. What I think about that is it might cause a lot of more segregation between the big mods and the smaller mods. Like um Neo Tokyo put some funding into their game and they're like the uh, they're the giga one of the giga mods, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I think it's going to cause a lot more segregation. But, but that, also that, also produce a lot better quality mods at the same time. So I'm a little torn. Backtracking a little bit though, let's just talk about AAA titles like Episode Three. Would let's I guess let's go down the list and start with Andrew. Would you throw some money into left uh, into not Left 4 Dead Three Episode Three? Um, would you throw some money into Episode Three if you wanted it to get done? I would do most things to get to play episode three. Um, <laughs> hell yeah. Dan? Yes, I would. Joe? No. It's what? my money. It's your money. <laughs> You'd rather have a product than streaming? Is it your money what? and you want it now? <laughs> it's my money and I want it now. Would you rather have a product, though? Do you not want to throw money into something that doesn't exist? Yeah. Pretty much. Matt? See, that that's that's this is a prime example of of how you know half the community feels, but at the same time, I would throw money at episode three. But anyways, we're just we're just uh, we can't talk about that because this isn't about Valve. Like Valve is not going to set up fun, like in fund funding capital for their company. This is this yeah, is about no, mods. That's what they were saying. No, no, that it's the, it's not about like Valve's not going to do it. They're just doing it for like mods. They're not. They don't need money. They're good. 
I'm not sure about that. I'm pretty sure you, if you go and look at it, I'm, he's, I'm pretty sure he's talking about mods. So. Well, mods, I would, I would throw some. I, I'd, I'd be a little bit more reluctant to throw some money at mods, though, to be honest, because they're a little bit more volatile. Put it that way. Yeah, but but then you do have situations like Natural Selection Two, where they just simply ran out of funding, and they're so close to release that they actually set up pre-buying just to get the money to finish the game. So that's a perfect example of how it would have worked. And Natural Selection Two is something that a lot of people have faith in. They they've played the first one for so many years that you know they don't mind throwing you know four hundred or five hundred dollars of it at it. Some of them, maybe you know ten or twenty here for most people, but. You know, I would I would throw if if episode three was a mod, you know, if it wasn't from a triple A title company, I would you know, after playing episode two, I definitely would throw a hundred dollars at, you know, investment in the in, in that mod because I want it that badly. Especially if you could get some, some capital back. Like well no, that's the thing. You do get capital, you see return once the game goes retail. You mm-hmm. see like a certain percentage. So, so. That is, and it sounds silly, but you know, okay, yeah, you're only getting 0.003% of that income, but 0.003% of, you know, $3 million is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. <laughs> right. And I think this is a good idea. Um, a lot of, a lot of websites are really talking about this now. I saw it on Ars Technica. I saw it on Gamma Sutra and they're sort of contemplating, you know, community funded games like this. So it's interesting to hear, and uh, it's interesting to hear that Gabe was sort of talking about this at E3, which, like I said, was, you know, like a month, month and a half ago, I guess. Yeah. Well, I'd throw s- What's that, Matt? I'd throw some money at the guy who made research and development. Yeah. Exactly, That's see? That's what I would do. And radiators? See? I would throw some money at the guy who made radiators. I'd throw all my money at the guy who made radiator. Love that guy. <laughs> see? This I, I I and this is funny because two years ago I would say no this is a terrible idea because essentially this is just a rebranded idea of essentially what people do every day in business it's just a simple you know I have an idea give me money to make this idea and I will give you a percentage of it and that's that's been around for hundreds of years but you know in making it easy and built into Steam where you can just say ooh I like this let's do that you know I'm gonna invest fifteen bucks here but you know. I think that's a great idea. It's just a simplifying of an existing idea, which I think is good. Will it work? I don't know. But yeah. Uh, um, with that said, uh, let's fit. We did miss a bit of. Uh, well, actually, before we go on, does anyone have anything else to say about the interview? Because he did go on about other stuff. Yeah, I like the sort of history Bef- before the whole interview with Gabe on that. Uh, on that good game interview, um, I like the sort of history where they were interviewing people within Valve and talking about sort yeah. of how Valve became Valve. It's good sort of mm-hmm. walk back in time. Which is cool. I love. I always love seeing their offices because it's it's just the Cavill system they have over there is pretty cool. Yeah, I whoever designs their offices are awesome. It is. It is really awesome. Um, actually, going back to his DRM statement, you have to admit he. At first, it was a bit reluctant to accept his idea that people steal because the 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 service is bad. But he's got a point. Like from here on out, I will never buy another EA game because of Battlefield Two. I will only pirate their games. Period. Because I absolutely I, hate using the EA downloader. Me too. It's 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 monstrously terrible. Oh god! I, I spent fifty bucks on a game, you know, only four years ago, and I can't play it anymore because it barely works. And the mods built on top of it are fantastic, but I can't play because it just. Oh, I can say I'm okay. I'm not. You can you can edit it out, but okay. I'm not gonna pirate it. I'm just not going to buy it. Quote oh. unquote. 
And you guys didn't have to do tech support for EA. That was fun. <laughs> yes. It, I, it's just, it's miserable. And a perfect example of this is, sorry, William, I was watching Formula One today, right? And I actually pay for Speed TV so I can watch it live, right? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't broadcasted at the right time today. As in, I was I was gonna have to wait like 24 hours to watch the race, and by then it's gonna be a, it's gonna have been ruined for me. So I had to actually go online and pirate it just so I could watch it, even though I pay for it. And and it's just it doesn't make sense to me. He's right. People pirate, and essentially 90% of it's because the service that, that it's regularly provided is not good enough. So. Well, that's my that's my two that's cents. I'm just bad customer done. service, I think. And yeah. what what Gabe says about you know quote unquote the Russians pirating games because it's easier for them to pirate. I think there is some truth to that statement, and I think really that's that's not 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 a problem of a developer. It's the problem of the retailers. You know, the retailers have a service yeah. to their customers, and sort of the developers are counting on retailers providing that service. And if it's not there, the developers are hurting because of it and that's sort of a shame but uh but i mean i guess it's about the community so in in my opinion if if it's if it's that case and the developers are sort of hoping a retailer will sell their game properly and they're not then the developers should sell their games like valve is so they should create their own platforms like steam and and take it into their own hands if they really absolutely care that much about piracy they should take it into their own hands and fix the problems that are there right and, and as we see with steam i mean things are going the right way apple has just announced drm and is now wiping all of their pre-existing services from it so if you buy something on itunes you just get the mp3 you don't have to worry about all that stupid drm and licensing and all that crap so uh, yeah I, so things are going the right direction itunes drives me insane because you can only download something once and if you had to download it again, you had to send them a uh, a support email to have the privilege to get what you paid for. Yeah, that's just absolutely ridiculous. Well, iTunes is like really the other end of the spectrum. There now, I can see why they do that. Steam doesn't do that because you know they want it so that you can have your content any, anywhere in the world on any PC. But you know, if you think of it as like buying a car, you just bought your car. They're not going to give you another one because you lost it. So that's how they're looking. I a car, though. I bought a digital file. Yes, but that's their logic. They they think that they're providing you a service once of you know with bandwidth and getting giving you the file. So after that, it's your it's your worry. Which I don't mind. You know, I'll just keep backups of my information. But if you do that and then don't let me keep backups, then we have a problem. Mm -hmm. So, which is what they're doing. But anyways, uh, let's cover this last bit of Left 4 Dead news. Um, Eurogamer TV. Had some more Left 4 Dead um, footage. Uh, just it's pretty much the same thing on the other three things we commented on. So if you still care about Left 4 Dead 2, go ahead and check it out. Um, but I'm bored of Left 4 Dead now. Yeah. So. Let's get on with this week's insanely awesome release list. It's been so busy. I. <laughs> First up, we have the prison map for Half Life 2. And Bad. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's it. And the worst part is this guy bloats like this is my mod. This is the site. Check it out. Like while you're playing it, it even puts up a link to the URL of the site. Oh. It's, I just don't get it. He spends all the times on links to URLs, and then he doesn't build cube maps or spend any time on gameplay. Ridiculous. You, we had the preview video, but I'm not even gonna bother. Uh, you know what? No. You know what? We'll play the preview video for this week. <laughs> 
Um, go, go ahead. Yeah, I just got to queue it up here. But but I just want to say that uh, Philip promised me that he was going to be releasing other maps this week, towards the end of the week. But I guess he wasn't on the computer yesterday or something like that. Um, so next week, I think, is going to be a lot more interesting. We're going to get a lot of backlog from him. So anyway, here comes a preview video for all you guys on the live stream. And uh, for those who are recording, we'll just play the audio. So check it out on the live stream. This is this week's single-player preview. Hi, Philip here from planetphilip.com, bringing you the first part of this bi-weekly single-player preview for the week of July 19th, 2009. There's only one publication this week, and it's called Prison. Yes, you need to escape a prison, but unlike most maps, this one is a little bit strange. You need to do some lateral thinking. It was made four years ago for the Source Modification Center's mapping competition number two. Yeah. All right, and we're back. Um, so that was Prison. It's not that interesting, and that was the release list, which also isn't that interesting. There wasn't even any multiplayer releases, no updates nope. this week, nothing. Absolutely I know. nothing. I think it's because of last week. We had the best week in Moddom in a year, <laughs> maybe five years, and it's just nothing now. Yeah, it's just quiet. So I guess that means we can move on over to the Media Blitz. And uh, topping off the Media Blitz is the Wilson Chronicles trailer. This is actually a pretty good trailer. I'm, I'm looking forward to Wilson Chronicles. When we played the, uh, the alpha or whatever, or the demo of Wilson Chronicles, there is a demo, right? I want to make sure I got the right mod. Um... No, sorry, this is, I'm not thinking of the right mod. Anyway, either way, the trailer looks sweet, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, they did a really good job on their production standards, very up to par with most most trailers in the mod development scene right now. It is and, awesome. Uh, yeah, they did a good. They got like some nice title screens and everything uh, like that. They really took into I, account. I just saw a tram, so I'm not gonna play it. <laughs> did you see a tram, or were they on the tram? No, it's it's. There's a tram. He's in the tram. So sorry. Well, but this is really cool. I love good intro videos. Intro videos make me want to play something. I think if you release a mod that is good and you don't have an intro video, you're doing yourself only harm. Could you imagine if research and development had a good uh, you know, intro to go with it? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, I mean, the music makes this trailer too. People don't say that, but even though, I don't know, there's just something really about the music that... Uh, that fits in together real well with this. Speaking this of the music, would you mind if we went over Planet Phillips' last um, poll question, too, along with this week's one? Sure. We'll wait till we get there, though. Okay. Yeah, we'll wait till we get to his poll question. Yeah, so check that out. That That's a cool trailer, and it looks pretty much like a mediocre mod, but, you know, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt because of the trailer. And next on the uh, Media Blitz is Al Hoppe's, um This Is Embarrassing Episode 2. It's basically the, uh, the dev insight almost or the developer video of uh him creating human error and i know emmanuel you're gonna say you hate this but before you say that i'm gonna say how much i actually enjoy this because he literally has a camera or he's frapsing his desktop and uh it's sort of in fast motion so you can see sort of how a developer goes through all the steps in creating a mod i think that's a great little thing um i always find it find it interesting how all these pieces just integrate and fit with each other and he does a good job in um, putting that puzzle together. Um, you're wrong. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm uh, honestly, it is a cool idea. I just first, there's two things I can't stand: goatees and people who drink coffee. So it's oh, so you, you might as well have been on a tram. 
Yeah, I do like his background though. It's it's worth mentioning, and it is kind of cool to see a mod being developed, like really a mod being developed. It's it's kind of cool. Yeah, so. that's what I mean. I like watching that. So you you did a good job, Alha, but don't let Emmanuel get to you. Yeah, just just cut the facial hair and start drinking, you know, tea or something. You'll be okay. <laughs> so moving on with the media blitz. Um, we got City Free Run. They had a media update this uh, this week. Um, not a very interesting media update. They just they just got their custom HUD. But this is a mod that we've sort of been neglecting or we haven't been following here on Podcast 17. So we thought it, it would deserve a mention. And uh, they're basically creating a Mirror's Edge clone. I don't know if it's exactly like Mirror's Edge, but it's inspired by Mirror's Edge. It's based well, in a city called Bay City and... Uh, the plot is being written, so there's no more updates on that. But they're doing a pretty good job. It looks pretty sweet. Their images are nice. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I just say, first of all, um, a beloved Mirror's Edge, a game which I thoroughly enjoyed, looked like it was on the Source Engine anyways. So this is probably just going to be, you know, the real thing. So oh, go for it. A lot like Mirror's uh, Edge? What's that? I said a lot like, you mean this is going to be a lot like Mirror's Edge in terms of vision? Well, no, Mirror's Edge looked like it was on the Source Engine anyway, so, I mean, for it to be made on the Source Engine just, engine just brings it home, so. Um, I Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I really like Mirror's Edge. I think most people did, so I'm going for it. Um, the, only, the only quip I have with it is that it doesn't look like it's being developed by a very competent team, so I don't know if it'll actually come out, but if it does, then amen. Yeah, for sure. And usually we're we're against copies or, you know, just running ideas of things that already exist. For instance, we hate how there's 1,500 zombie mods out there. But, you know, when when people do their own interpretations of Episode 3 and bring a game that was good to another engine, you know, we like this sort of thing. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's City Free Run. Um, interesting little update. You can check that out. And moving right along, um, sort of something that's not really Half-Life related and directly related to us is uh, Killing Floor. They added the Katana in-game, and that's sort of a running <laughs> joke on ModDB yeah. and on Podcast 17, which it, is it's interesting. An, it's no way related to Half-Life, but it is related to Podcast 17 because there is a Katana, therefore it is important. They got, the, uh, they got the little quote right in the bottom on their uh, ModDB post, and it just says Tatsuro wrote, No! <laughs> <laughs> it looks awesome. They it does not, look cool. looks very good quality. Yeah, it, granted, it's an old engine, but <laughs> the um, Killing Floors their their media post pretty much just says, "Why would you play anything else now that we have a katana?" And I think they yeah they say, "Eat your heart out, zombie zombie panic sores." <laughs> Wait, is Killing Floor com- is it is it competing with Killing Floor? I'm not sure. I, I don't know if it's the same crowd, but I'm sure Killing Floor is getting a lot of Half Life players. If you haven't played Killing Floor yet, you need to get that game. It's an exciting co-op zombie mod game-ish thing. I, I already played Left 4 Dead. Why would I play this? Support this your different. fellow mod developers. Yeah, buy this, this is, game. This is different. Much different. <sighs> no, this is not how you support mod developers. You don't support mod developers by buying their overpriced games. This is... Sorry. Like I, I said, it's my money. I want it. Yes. Nah. I, I, I paid for Unreal Tournament 2003, and I played Killing Orchestra. Did I, I go back and play Red Orchestra again? No. So... When I when they when they try to pedal it to me for forty dollars, it's no. Anyway, moving on, we got some other things that aren't on the agenda for all you following the agenda. And the first thing 
under Media Blitz is Portal, the Nightmare mod. Um, I linked it in the uh, in the Skype. If somebody can link that in the live stream for me, that'd be great. Um, but anyway, they updated. Um, they have an updated trailer of Portal the Nightmare. Um, I believe it's in high definition. Yeah, they added the high definition version, which is pretty cool. This is a good looking mod. Um, we don't see a lot of Portal mods anymore. Ever since uh, Portal Prelude, nobody's really been doing anything. For good reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already... I mean, you can only do so much with Portal, I guess. Yeah. Well, we we played Portal. And, I mean, we've all Prelude actually played so Portal hard. twice. What's that, Joe? So... Portal Prelude was so difficult. Yeah. So very, very difficult. I got Could you explain to me Portal Prelude? Because I, I'm kind of in the dark about it. Like, I don't understand it fully, like, with the story behind it. I'm, I can't even remember Por the story. All I remember is... It was... Portal Prelude... Portal Prelude was an impossibly hard mod set in the um, test chambers before GLaDOS was destroyed. So you actually had two scientists talking to you all the way through. And the guy, he had, he had, a, he had clever level designs, and he actually had a whole team working on it. Um, but it was impossibly hard. But the coolest thing at the end of the video, at the end of the game, is that you actually got to see GLaDOS being activated for the first time. Hmm. Huh. Which, which the cutscene in itself just makes the whole mod. It was wasn't, really Wasn't it packaged and offered by Valve as DLC on the 360, though? No, that was the uh, Flash map pack. Oh, okay. Hmm. Ignore me, then. And it actually came with the uh, Portal Xbox Live Arcade version. I don't think it was DLC. Huh. Cool. Well. Now, is that community-created content that was... Or was that... Uh... I think so, yeah. Cool. That's interesting. I like seeing stuff like that. It become pushed out on a console. But anyway, yeah. I didn't, I didn't even get to the end of Portal Prelude. It was so hard for me. I was just like, oh, fuck this. It's all about timing and getting your jumps, like, perfect. Like, I know I clips. Really... Yeah. I know clips past the end. <laughs> I really don't want to do if I wanted to get timing perfect, I'd play Creed's, not Portal, really. Portal's more about problem-solving. But anyway. So check out Nightmare. It's one of the few last Portal mods, I think, that we're going to be seeing. Unless Portal makes another up, like, you see Portal 2. But we'll see. I really don't think the mod scene for Portal is taking off as much as Valve hoped it was going to take off. Regardless, last thing on the, uh, on the Media Blitz... Before we move into the other sections, is uh, we mentioned a little bit last week, but research and development, um, they received a quote-unquote glowing review from Rock Paper Shotgun. Dave mentioned this last week on the podcast, but it's just good to good to always say how awesome this mod is, and how great it's how bright of a light it's shining on the mod scene in Half Life and Half Life Two. So check it out if you if you're still not convinced to play research and development, check out the Rock Paper Shotgun review. And then you. I beat it. Yep. I beat it last night, and the end is truly epic. It is. It's so good. So, so very good. Don't but, spoil it. Well, we've got to get them on still, William. We have to get them like as on as an interview still. Like I said, it's probably just one guy. I haven't looked that much into it. But, I, think, uh, I think it's two or three. I, I, I looked into it, and I couldn't really find particularly one specific person. But, um, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day. There's a good chance that. The best mod you will ever see on Half-Life 2's engine will be this mod. Like, we will not see anything coming out of this in terms of gameplay, I'm afraid. In terms of gameplay? Possibly yeah. 
Because, I mean, there are plenty of mods out there on the back burner that are going to have incredible stories to accompany some pretty good gameplay, but this is, in terms of single player, I think this is pretty much the apex of Half-Life 2 until we get, you know, the Half-Life 3 engine, and this might be it, so enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And moving on um, to topic of the week, I'm going to take top of the week because Nick wants me to take top of the week. Um, we want to talk a little bit about overgrowth, and uh, not because it's... Uh, not because sort of it's, it's it has nothing to do with Half-Life, although it was derived originally on the Half-Life engine, um, but because of how beautiful this is and how, how much it's sort of contributing to the uh, community. And as Nick says, if we talk about Natural Selection 2, it's only fitting to talk about Overgrowth as well. Um, I am definitely looking more forward to Overgrowth. Did you guys watch the physics trailer? Do you guys follow this at all? They, no. they have a video up on their ModDB profile, um, which will... Be- I love Overgrowth. Yeah. I love that mod, that game, those people. They're amazing. Yep. I don't I don't get it. You don't get the whole hype behind Overgrowth? No. I see this black and white, you know, image of some circles walking around, but that's it. Well, that's just their, their sort of Hello? initial implementation. Hi, Matt. Goodbye. Hi, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, if you if you haven't seen their ragdoll physics engine, it's amazing what these guys are actually doing. You know, just sort of the four of them or six of them or something like that. Um, it's absolutely amazing how much work they're putting into this. Uh, they have a new update, which includes some wallpapers, but that's not the bulk of their work here. They also have an update which uh, talks about sort of their dynamic, almost skybox, they have some beautiful sky renders, and uh, the way they do their cloud system is absolutely amazing. I've never seen it that pristine in any other in any other game, let alone an indie game. Uh, so one of the not... most what's that? One of the most interesting things about Overgrowth is that you can actually play with these dev tools if you um, pre-purchase or put some throw some money at them. They'll let yeah. you play with the uh, development tools, which is um, amazing. It's great. Do you have access to those? I I don't I don't I haven't thrown money at them yet, but um. I think Matt had to mute his microphone. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, just so everyone knows, yeah, my son is in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well throw that out there, get it out there right out of the way. But yeah, um, I I'm not I don't I don't have access to it yet. <laughs> we can just interview him if you want. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. We can do that. But um, I, I, will, I will definitely be purchasing this game. I think everybody will. Everybody in the uh, community will definitely pick up this game. And we wanted to bring it to light. We've noticed, Matt, that you are one of the few that use the overgrowth sort of community social icons at the bottom of your posts. Um, I think they released those open source, quote unquote. They did. I believe I was the first one to actually use it outside the overgrowth team, which yeah. was kind of... <laughs> and then people are like, oh, cool. I fully plan on it because it's a really cool thing that they did. Well, it's to keep people connected. That's what, yeah. That's what all these community sites are about. So this, anyway, is, this, this is going to be one of those mods I hate to like. Why? What? Why do you hate Overgrow so much? What is wrong with it? It's not well, a mod. He hates so everything. <laughs> no, there are things that I love to love. I love to love you know the music I listen to, and I love to love research and development, and I love to love um, William, but I hate to love... You know, uh, what's a mod that's good and I hate to like it? I guess I can't really think of anything. I usually hate what I hate. Um, 
yeah, don't don't mind me. But anyways, it's gonna be something I reluctantly don't like because it's it's about wolves first of all, so I don't like animals. Um, <laughs> but I do like the the setting and the engine looks pretty good, and I know the gameplay is gonna be amazing. So it's just they're they're torturing me here. Yeah. I guess I guess it'd be like if Philip liked the multiplayer mod. You know, he, that's not his niche, so he would hate to like it. That's a good way of putting it, actually. That's probably the most intelligent thing I've heard you say all day today. <laughs> oh, that's, that, that's nice of you, William. I'm, I'm glad you said that. I, I think I've said more intelligent things. Uh, not likely. So anyway, oh. we're going to move over to the interview with uh, Matthew Dryden and friends. And, uh, yes, we are. Some modular combat. So I guess before we begin, Matt, how about you tell us what modular combat is for all those people who do not know? Sure. Um, Modular Combat's an action RPG for Half-Life 2 where you can play one of three factions, the Resistance, the Combine, or Aperture Sciences. And the goal is to kill other players or monsters of other factions, uh, gain levels, and buy modules. And you can mix and match different modules to have literally hundreds to thousands of different combinations. Um, Your character is always going to be different than someone else's. And you mentioned Sorry. the Aperture Science characters. A lot of the uh, a lot of the older players of Modular Combat probably aren't used to that. That's something new that you added. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we wanted to add another level of depth to Modular Combat, and we thought the way we could do that was add a whole um, other faction and character character class. And looking at Half Two Life, uh, sorry, Half Life Two Lore. Aperture Science seemed like the natural progression for us. So we, we added in a bunch of new player models. I think there's a total of 10 new player models for Aperture Sciences. And um, then we also gave them a new melee weapon, which is going to be a portal camera ripped right out of the wall. So you'll be able to bash people's head in the portal camera. I like and, that, um, camera. that camera. It makes me so happy. And um, with, with the introductions of Aperture Science, we um, added in a new feature called Factions. So when you're playing players versus monsters or um, team deathmatch, when you group up with other players of your faction, you get benefits like extra experience, uh, health regeneration, armor, re- armor regeneration, or extra damage. So the more people, it, it's basically to promote, promote team play so when you play with other people of the same faction you get extra benefits which is going to be a lot of fun and is that in a future version of modular combat or is that in the current version right now that's that's going to come out right um on august 1st beautiful i think a lot of people are going to enjoy that so dan i guess i'll hand it over to you all right uh matt for for some of the people in the um Listening to the podcast that haven't played Modular Combat, which I was adding, you should really get on the ball and play this. It's a really good mod. But explain the module system for them. Explain what makes this mod unique. Well, the interesting thing about the module system is that we offer all the cool modules right away. So by the time you get to level one, which should happen within you know, 10 to 15 minutes of playing the game, you're able to upgrade any module you want. So any kind of feature that we have... Like, let's say, spawning minions or cloaking or jetpack, teleport, um, brute force, things like that. You're going to be able to upgrade it right away and get kind of that features 
unlocked for your character right away. And we offer all the modules. There's no tiered system. We just I want to take all the cool stuff and toss it at the player and say, okay, you do something cool with it. And the interesting, the way we balance it is that, um, is that you know, not 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 one module by itself can really be the kill button, the destroy all button. So we, um, yeah, you really have to mix and match them and bring them all together to try to create something unique. It's really about finding your own niche, I find. Mm. Um, I have a I have a question for you. Um, is uh is your mod a game? Didn't you ask them this before on our last interview? Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. How about uh how about this one? What are some things you want to do but you can't because of the engine limitations? Particularly um, modules, of course. It could be gameplay modes or something like that, but um particular for modules, there's nothing that we can't do. Really? That's <laughs> the first time we put the limit. that. Well, the, really um the way I've always compared it is if you've ever seen The Dark Knight, um, you know, when Batman goes to Lucius Fox and he says, um, I want to jump out of a plane, he says, yeah, that seems pretty simple. This is actually the easiest thing you've ever asked me. And, um, and he says, then I want to get back in the plane. <laughs> that's, that's, how, that's how Winston is, like the, the relation, relationship between Winston and I and my programmer. I just kind of say, can we do this? He's like, yeah, I think we can. Yeah, I mean, so, I'm sure there's probably some features that we wouldn't be able to do. Um, most of them probably based on our ability rather than the engine. But, I mean, if you can come up with a module idea that isn't just stupid, but is actually due to some engine limitation or some game limitation, we couldn't implement it well, then I'd be surprised. But mm. I'd welcome it. Well, well, okay, then let me rephrase that, because you guys have the best coder in the world. What is the most difficult... <laughs> thing you've had to do like what, what, what is something Matt has said can you do this and you said yes and then you realize 10 minutes later oh god what did I do <laughs> um, most things he asks do come into that category <laughs> <laughs> the man I, I, from what I understand there's going to be man hacks in 1.8 right yes there, well, there's man hacks and there's monsters now in 175 there's man hack minions yeah man hacks by no means should have been easy was it yep that's easy what? It was actually, it was Great so easy. I, I think I did it. You go. <laughs> that's amazing. I, it's just that seems like something that'd be very difficult. I guess I'm. Wrong. Yeah, Joe's making a good point here. The single thing I've found most difficult, um, and this is definitely just me, is getting a Linux server working with <laughs> Orange Box Halfway to a Deathmatch. Um, yeah. I, I have to. Server have uses. To network tables over and over and over even when they're identical. I think okay. I think Winston's not quite getting the gravity of the situation. We spent something like six months trying to get a Linux server build and couldn't do it. Can I ask, you know, do you, first of all, Winston, do you have any Linux experience? And don't say yes when you've only, you know, used Ubuntu. Do you actually toy with Linux? Well, I used a very small amount in university, but I, I had virtually no Linux experience doing this kind of thing when I started trying to make a Linux build. Mm -hmm. See, that that just baffles me how mod teams are supposed to, especially most of them have no Linux experience, go and say, okay, here's this Linux version of this game we made, you know, have at it. That just seems impossible. To there were a lot of things that took me quite a while to wrap around. I eventually did understand how it was meant to do them. 
the trouble is now we're building a binary and we can upload it to the server and it's great, but players can't connect. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a minor issue. I would say. Yeah, it's, a, it's a minor issue compared to most of the ones, but it's unfortunately the game break. Yeah. Um, well, I hate to dwell on something so geeky; it's going to bore our listeners. But you know, for the developers out there, this is this could be very useful information. What um, what do you have any tips or suggestions for people who are about to embark on this seemingly impossible task of getting Linux to do what you know Windows does in this situation? Um. Well. Find someone that's done it before <laughs> with the confused. same configuration as you. I don't know anyone that's done a Half-Life 2 orange, Half-Life 2 Deathmatch orange box on Linux, um, which is what I'm blaming for this. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like be the problem with a lot of uh, a lot of mod teams. It comes comes to mind Sven Co-op as number one because the Sven Co-op community has been waiting and waiting for years and years for a Linux server build. Um, and it just took them forever to even get started on working on it. And I'm not even sure if it's out right now. I don't even think they have a Linux build still. It's just ridiculous. It's almost like they're looking for Linux programmers, but they just do not exist. So if if you exist out there, get in contact with every mod team. <laughs> it, it'd probably be beneficial for you to email every single mod team on, on ModDB and be like, do you need Starting a Linux with us. build? Yeah, and just start from the... Start with modular combat and then work your way from the top and go down and get it all done. <laughs> because it's ridiculous how, how much these, these groups need Linux server builds. I mean, it's probably the crux in every source development in every source development team. Uh, and I wonder, can you go without it? Like, can you go without building that, that Linux version? Well, certainly you've got a lot more hosting options when you have a Linux version. Um, I didn't but... bring up the point. Sorry, I'll bring up the point that Neo Tokyo does not have a server Linux silver build. Yeah, they don't either. Oh. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, going back to Winston real quick, can you sort of describe how you code modular combat? It almost seems like, from what I understand, when you're coding modular combat, you're almost coding it in modules because you're tacking on these additions and all these additional features. Is this sort of different than how you would normally code for like a video yeah. game or a mod? Well, it's kind of different in a way for our modules, yeah. Um, one of the first big things I did when I was starting writing out Modular Combat's code was uh, come up with a way of implementing new modules as quick as possible. So basically, the player class has a whole bunch of module management code, um, and when you're adding a module, you basically there's, it's a single object it's got one function for what it actually does and then it just has little flags like it says this is active this one is passive this one's toggled and all you really have to do is write a single function which can be just as simple as saying create a man hack add one to the man hack count and you've got a new module <laughs> and how long does it usually take you to program a module well that depends if it's simple something as simple as adding a new minion that's about five minutes and most of that's adding the new icons and stuff like that and descriptions but for something that modifies player behavior somewhere out with that one function say something like the jetpack where you have to update the player's movement in a predicted way that's more complicated that could be anything Long from time. hours to yeah a week mm. for something really complicated interesting and i guess switching sort of directions i'm going to look at joe now 
hypothetically look at Joe, and ask you sort of, what do you do with modular combat? I mean, we know your quality assurance and Q&A testing, but, uh, but sort of explain your day-to-day job. Well, I pretty much just call together all the beta testers, and we try to break the game and figure out how it's done and what's wrong with it and how we can fix it. And then we tell Winston and Dryden, and they fix it. <laughs> and how difficult is it to sort of balance these modules? It almost seems like they all need to be on the same level, so to speak. But... Well, it's it's kind of hard, but I'm not alone in it, so it's good. Yeah, you kind of yeah. We middle. all sorry. We yeah. all do um. We all do sit down, sit down together and discuss what we think would be the best idea to balance or nerf or beef a, beef a module. And these can lead to very long debates because I have a big nerf stick and I just like nerfing everything. Winston likes beefing everything and Joe just wants to get it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we do have a magic formula. Yeah, he, he is. And he's also the one that beats us all hands down when it comes to actually playing the game. And going back to Matt, I mean, we've interviewed you before here on Podcast 17. What's different now with the team than last time we've talked to you? People. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've added, um, we have two new modelers, um, a sound artist, and uh, something like four programmers that wow. we're still kind of, yeah, we're, we're still kind of getting settled in with them, but um, like pending after this release, we're going to really be gearing up and moving a lot faster than we have been in the past. So that's going Sorry, what about in terms of direction and feature lists? I mean, are you guys concentrating on just modules now or are you looking on a more broader scale? Uh, um we we weren't originally going to talk about this, um but I kind of made a last minute decision. Uh we're going to be um adding a new game mode in our future release. Um that kind of plays back to um pl- kind of plays back to um science and industry in an in- interesting way. Um, no, don't worry about it. Um, what, uh, what, it, what it basically is, is we're going to have three-way capture the flag. Only each team is going to have three slots. And they're going to be giving a random, given a random module at the start of the game. And their goal is to go into the other player's base and uh, steal their module. Now, the interesting thing is that the whole team will have access to use that module. Once, um, once it's slotted into their um, computer system or whatever. So a whole team might be able to use minion, I don't know, um, fast zombie minions, or they'll be able to cloak, or they'll be able to do all these different things. So that's, that's the kind of the new game mode that we're, we started planning out. That's an interesting dynamic. That sounds really exciting, actually, because it's, it's, like you said, a lot like Capture the Flag, but only this time the flag has a sort of ability. <laughs> You get some bonus yeah. from it instead of just getting points. Yeah, we're one thing we're always very conscious of is that we're we're going to need to be careful how we do the balancing of the teams. Mm-hmm. And with, with the idea of uh, modules, it's really it's really quite difficult to say you know how much how much will how much effect will strength have against jetpack or can teleport really outrun running man or whatever. <laughs> So we really have to be conscious of all the different kinds of stuff and how we're going to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Emmanuel? And we're... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Emmanuel? Are you here, Emmanuel? 
I don't think Emmanuel's here. I think you dropped Wait, wait, wait. Did, I just said like 15 things. You didn't hear me? No. <laughs> oh, they're going to go into history. Oh, it's too bad. Anyways, let me uh, let me ask you a question, Mr. Dryden. Um, what, uh, this is, this is a question that may seem a bit hard to answer, but, um, what mod or actually game company or just the games themselves, do you model uh, your development style after? I.e., you know, when you see Valve developing something, when you see the PR of another mod doing something a certain way, what, what do you admire and what do you try to carry on? Like, what do you try to replicate? A lot of my job right now has fallen down to team management and public relations. And when I started doing it, I modeled it after Jailbreak, because Jailbreak had the most interesting news posts I'd ever seen. So I kind of just looked, looked at how they were doing and said, yeah, I think I can do that too. And then more to the point, overgrowth. And um, with this upcoming release, Neo Tokyo was a big inspiration for how they did the release. And I kind of want to... Um, go ahead and kind of go with that. Mm -hmm. um, um, as for mod development, we've, I, I read a lot of post-mortem reviews. So I try not to develop like, um, day, now what is it? Um, the John Romero mod, that our game that just went horribly. <laughs> Daikatana. I try not to develop any, I try not to reminisce anything Daikatana or, um, <laughs> I try to avoid that altogether, and a lot of it's communication. Like every 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 management style that I've ever come across, everything is just communication is key. Be forward, be open, be as positive and continuous improvement oriented as you can be. Now we got some listener questions coming in, and all you listeners out there, if you have any questions, feel free to shout them out in the live stream chat because Nick will funnel them to us, and we see them all. So I guess the first one is coming from uh, Arkenfell. I'm whatever. I'm really bad with names. I'm sorry, Arkenfell. Um, he asks, "Will modules such as the jetpack be modeled on the player, or other modules? In fact, not just." I'll take yes. that. Uh, okay. Winston can actually take this. Sure. I was going to say yeah. Um, we're only really starting out having dedicated modelers on the team now, but I think that'd be an awesome thing to do. It gives a good visual representation. I mean, at the moment. Basically, you've got fire coming out your ass with a jetpack. Uh, <laughs> an actual jetpack would be a useful thing to have. Um, there's other modules, including, no, I'm not sure how much you can say, but about this competition results, I'm not going to mention any results, and I'm not going to say whether this is one or not, but um, one of the modules suggestions there was Heelspring. If we implemented that at any point, that would be the kind of thing as well. I mean, some modules naturally lend themselves more than others to having a physical effect on the player. Mm -hmm. I guess moving right along, um, Digitally Sane has two questions. His first one is, uh, ask them how they try to stop modular combat from seeming like a map with never-ending NPCs, or as he calls, NPC spam. I find that a lot too. A lot of players like getting the, uh, the minion, the minion skills and just spam a whole bunch of NPCs. Uh, I think that'll be eliminated as we start adding more and more modules. We... What we have now is really just the beginning. We have, I literally, I actually literally have a plan for over a hundred modules totaled. So, as we we're just kind of releasing them slowly and slowly as we add new gameplay features. As for um, seeming like maps have no point at all with the never-ending NPCs, we have a new game mode that we'll be adding in the future that we haven't we haven't started really planning to implement 
implement yet. We still need a little more of our assets team rounded out, but it's going to be called invasion mode. And basically, you'll yeah be developing, you'll be protecting your spawn points, and uh, from a never-ending NPCs coming towards you, like and they'll port, get strong. Basically. Yeah, just um, rounds are waves and waves of NPCs, each of them stronger and stronger, and there'll be shared shared experience between all the monsters and everything like that. Emmanuel? Um, on that topic, uh, have you ever played with the idea of, uh, of classes? And when I say classes, I mean, in a way, making it easier for players to pick it up. For instance, you could have a set um, number of modules and, uh, you know, each class gets. So that way you can do your own, you know, personal module setup or you can have um, kind of presets where people can just come in and load up the default class and then build off of it. Um, one thing that we had, I had thought of in the early days was to actually have a class system, like you suggested, have like a soldier and a vampire, engineer, that kind of stuff. But yeah. the problem with the, way if, with the way I wanted to do it is that we wanted to specialize in certain modules. So a player in a vampire class might have cloak and a vampire and extra health and whatnot. But we decided to we decided to have a lot more creativity if we offered all the modules all at once. So what we um what we're considering in the future is we're gonna revamp the whole module menu altogether. So it makes it a lot easier and just try to figure out how we can su suggest modules to the player, maybe offer example builds within the menu, within the via, via the hint system, just to okay. kind of say, hey, this is how you could go if you wanted to. Sort of combinations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, go on. Winston, it looked like you were trying to say something. I'm sorry. I was just saying, yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, what about new, like, new monsters or new things to kill in the PvE version of it? With that what said, you... actually, um, Arkenfell wants to know, do you plan to add any Half-Life 1 monsters? No, that'd be stupid. <laughs> You're not the developer, uh, shut up. I know, but it's stupid. <laughs> Emmanuel. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> we're, we, we've added, we've added uh, Hunters, Zombines, and we, we're using the new, um, the new Antline Worker model. And we've, we've actually activated a lot of the new features that Episode 2 offers their, mon their monsters. So the antline guard moves a lot faster. He's going to smash stuff towards you. He's really scary right now. <laughs> hunters, too. Hunters, um, we found out hunters can jump over stuff, Yeah. which they can jump down levels and stuff, and it, that's just scary in itself. <laughs> I've seen a hunter jump down towards me and land on someone. It's, it's kind of <sighs> scary. That's pretty cool. Uh, we, will be characters? we will be adding... Um, in the future, Hound Eyes and um, all, all those 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 two or three mo monsters Ugh. from Half Life One. And it's not if you if you've seen if you've seen the Donut Shop episode from Civil Protection, like how can how can we not? Yeah, add that, that Hound Eyes actually really awesome. You know, you guys need to add the Kingpin. You know, the Kingpin model as like oh, a oh, level yeah. one hundred skill or something like that, and the Kingpin just messes shit up. We're gonna we're gonna be adding bosses. Do. We're going to be adding boss monsters and boss battles within PBM. So when a boss spawns into a map, like all the players will be able to go after it and attack it, and they'll all get shared experience and bonus experience. 
from mm -hmm. um, working on that boss. And the boss is going to be like the hunter choppers and, you know, all these really big, all, all the real big monsters you can think of from Half-Life 2. We're going to try cool. to, yeah. Garg, throw Garg in there. Hey. Let, hey. let me ask you a question, sir. Yeah. Um, there's something that I think we no one's ever really thought about, and when you mentioned it, I kind of went, "Oh, why not?" Um, when are you going to implement the uh, idea of being able to stamp on headcrabs, like just jump on them? Because essentially, you should be able to do that. Like, if you saw a headcrab in real life, you just run up to it and kick it, or like jump on it, right? When do you plan on implementing that? One point seven five. Yes, it's in, it's in right now. You can you can jump on a headcrab and. <laughs> It'll it'll squish. Do you, do you get double exp for it? Um, no, no. <laughs> You should be happy that you just step on it because it's... Can, can 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 would it, would it be able uh would I be able to do a voiceover for the st stomped on headcrab? So every time I got stomped on, you'd hear me and William die. Like ah. <laughs> I, I, I had com the first time I jumped on a headcrab, I I commented that it, I felt like um the mushrooms from Mario, and we wanted to add in the uh, coin sound like the. Ta -ding! That's what oh, a lot of people are saying chat right now. Yeah, do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. you should be able to, you should be able to kill ant lions in the air by jumping up and hitting them with your head. You just make <laughs> That's my idea. This actually doesn't make head crabs as bad as you may expect. Um, po even poison head crabs are slowest. They're kind of hard to jump on. They have an annoying habit of jumping at you first, and see when you try, decide you're just going to jump in a fast head crab. Try it again and again and again, and it jumps out the way every time. You end up just whacking at one because it's really quite difficult, but it's satisfying you... when you work it. Well, <laughs> it is. Um, can you do a uh, an Austria Australian accent, Mister uh, Wilson? Me, Australian? Um, probably not really. <laughs> no. Who? Because I want to hear you say you have to sneak up on the head crab and get it when it's not looking. <laughs> get it right behind it. I like could do it better Gordon? than that. All right. Oh God! Somebody uh, digitally saints asking. Uh, he keeps bugging us. We we mentioned this on the last interview, but I guess a lot of people didn't tune in for that. Um, are you planning to make XP global? I'm assuming he means across servers, like have an actual database that all servers query. This is something we've discussed several thousand times over the development of Monday Their Combat. Um, it's a feature that we're thinking of implementing in a future version, but it's not something that we're focusing on right now. Um, the reason why we like to have everything server-based right now is because it really creates a community feel. When you log into a server, you know you're going to be playing with these guys for like the next eight hours or whatever. And it's true, some people do play for six to eight hours straight. Um, if you were to make this sort of global XP system, uh, just hypothetically, would you allow server operators to opt out of sort of the global system? Just yeah, absolutely. Local? That's That would be the key feature. Because when you when you activate when you would, would activate the global character database, your your server settings would basically get locked down. Like all the all the modular combat settings, not server settings, but modular combat settings would get locked down, mm -hmm. so no one could cheat. Yeah, that and makes we sense. would. Yeah, because we don't want double experience or anything from one server, whatever. Dan, do you have any questions? You're so much silent over there. Uh, not really. Okay. I have one. Go ask me, ask me. Um, what, uh, what modern game do you model your development mode after the most? Actually, no, um, this one's, uh, I know. You already asked that. It, it's a joke. 
Uh-huh. Uh, first of all, me and William are really sorry about what we said before. We we didn't. I didn't mean to compare your mod to a Twinkie with poop in it. <laughs> Longer. That was long ago, Emmanuel. <laughs> it was long before, ago. Before but, this mod really took off, I would say. Yeah, but we had to play an old version that didn't really work. What's that, Joe? That was the first podcast seventeen episode that I listened to. So, oh no, we get that we get that a lot from mod developers. You know, um, fans of the mod will say you need to listen to this. They just bashed your mod to shit, and then we get a bad rep right out of but, the gate. <laughs> but, but to be fair, if you look at modular combat, the broken version we played that wasn't actually the official version, and compared to what it is now, I mean, come on. I'm not saying it's we're we're the ones who did it, but we were the We'll, we'll say that we were the mitigating assholes. Can we say that much, please? Sure. No? Okay. Actually, Matt tells me that it was very close to blowing up where um, the, the community was not very happy about it, but he did damage control and made sure that no one said anything. And to be fair, it was a bit irresponsible, so we do apologize, but it's just we can agree now that modular combat's awesome, so let bygones be bygones. Knees. It's the bees' knees. I think... I think what what the interesting part about this was is that I listened to the podcast and went okay, and then I I went and directly contacted you guys and said hey what what kind of problems did you have and I think if a lot of mod developers took that stance we'd we'd you know see a lot of problems fixed a lot quicker because yeah. like I think I think a lot of people play mods and they don't really. Like they have problems installing it, or they have problems accessing content, and they never say anything. Like the developers never seem to get that feedback. Yeah. Well, it, keep in mind. I mean, I I want the mod developers out there to realize that we come across hundreds and hundreds of maps and mods, crappy little things, and we select a few to comment on. And if we select your bad mod to talk about, we're not do. I'm not saying we're doing you a favor, but we're just. We're first of all, we're bringing light to your mod because we do get like three listeners a week, so that is more than zero. <laughs> and we we're just off. We're just trying to offer con, like criticism. Sure, we have to make it funny or rude sometimes to keep it interesting, but we do genuinely mean well. So we're very happy <laughs> you took it like that. Excuse me. And bless you, Daniel. Oh, bless nice you, Dan. Nice of you. Not. Your, your microphone but so yes we i was very surprised to see that you guys took it so well and actually you know worked with us to see what you what we thought about and everything so hats off to you guys for that wish with we that, wish more mods would do it like you know no um, not like I, anybody though like anybody should, should and I, uh, yeah, siphon siphon previously <laughs> siphon is asking um how do you guys stick with the project Matt, um, he says, I find it hard myself to work on large-scale projects because he tends to get new ideas or change his ideas frequently. This one's actually really relevant to me, I think, because before Modular Combat, I'd worked on... It's, don't laugh, but it's got to be like a dozen source mod ideas, just of my own. And I'd kind of taken them to the stage where either they became playable and I realised they were total crap, <laughs> or... I just had to do some really boring feature and I couldn't have bothered and I drifted. I'm totally the same. I drift all the time from project to project. And the big difference for me was, well, really, with Matthew there saying, hey, can you do this, can you do this, can you do this? Hey, uh, <laughs> um, having someone relying on your work and so helping you, you with the work. But not, I don't know, not breathing down your neck exactly, but genuinely being interested 
I find that to have a difference. So would you say accountability? I mean, having, you know, a shared vision with five other people kind of forces you to stick to that? Um, it does, yeah. On the other hand, though, I've agreed to help out a few other mods since, and I've written about five lines of code and kind of drifted away again. So sorry to those guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, like how about you? Done, so. Yeah, Matt, how about you? How do you stay sort of on topic? We, um, before we... Um, start development on an, an, the next iteration of modular combat. We sit down and say, okay, how many modules do we want in this mod, in this version? Uh, what new gameplay features do we want to introduce? And we think of all the coolest stuff we can think of and try to fit it into basically a five week period. And that those five weeks, in those five weeks, we try to develop as much as we can. And along the way, I usually think of something up that I want to put in or and then we, we add that in and we start cutting away other stuff. But interesting thing about 1.75 is we got in almost all the features that we wanted to get in. Okay. So, all, yeah, I mean, we well, really. Well, speaking of that, you're eventually going to have to do this. I know you don't want to hear it, but what modules will you cut if you have to cut them? Because it's going to happen. You're going, I mean, if you're going to implement 100 modules, you know, at least one of them is going to be a, ooh, that was a, uh, like, I, have any... I have absolute 100% confidence in my choice of modules. Really? I, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, we, if I generally, it really comes down to Winston and I, um, we'll either see something we really like with that was suggested by the community and we um, we decide to put it in or we decide to not consider it at all. So when back when we start, started early development on it, we put up a suggestions forum and we got a lot of awesome feedback from our players say, hey, can you put in this module, put in this module. And we put in a lot of those module ideas or we already had plans to put them in. Mm-hmm. So. There's, well, there's, there's not a there's not a single module that I would implement that I would try to take away. Far more like, important, I think, than taking away modules is coming up with a better way of sorting them into categories than we do right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you had any more modules, I find it difficult to find a particular module list in less than about ten seconds, and I made yeah. that list. So, I certainly think sorting things, categories, maybe even some sort of predictive search text box um, for to start typing the module name or whatever. Um, all that kind of feature, and I think we've got less need to consider removing modules. Huh. I think you might want to ask Joe what module he would want to take out. He probably has a stronger <laughs> opinion on the subject than I do. Plague. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. Why don't you like plague, Joe? What do you have against plague? It's just like it instantly damages you for quite a bit. But it takes absolutely no effort on the per- part of the person who has it. So agreed. I play plague. That's my favorite module. I hate you so much. <laughs> I-, I have to agree. I don't plague. Play. <laughs> the thing, the thing of plague is that you have to stay alive. Yeah. To do it. Right. Like and it's almost like a kamikaze. Well, that's easy. And the current version, you can. It, it's so easy right now because you can cloak and hide in a corner and no one can kill you. But in the next version, like you're gonna be decloaking every time you deal damage to someone. Mm. So plague suddenly is not some cheap ability. You actually have to try to run around and stay alive. Right, because you're constantly dealing damage. I guess if you, if you yeah. infected people, you're not gonna be able to cloak. 
Hate plague. Going back, backtracking a little bit, we were talking about development cycles and um, uh, the two key development cycles, if you've taken any computer science course, is the iterative method and the waterfall method. And clearly, modular combat is taking the iterative cycle. I mean, every five weeks, like you said, you come up with a new thing and it just adds onto your previous feature. Can you sort of tell us, um, to you, the pros and cons of an iterative cycle over sort of a waterfall cycle? Either one of you? Matt? I'll have to answer that if you like. Um, just like the name and the modules in the game, modular combat, <laughs> it's really modular, if that yeah. is totally cheesy. And the the, pro, the pros of that, I guess, doing it that way rather than massive monolithic releases, are that we can just add stuff and see how it goes. When you add in, say, 30, 40 new modules all at once, getting decent tester feedback from that, player feedback from that, it's going to take months before you can even begin to make sense of it, until people have all got used to them and all become skilled with the ones that take more skill and things like that. Um, whereas when we're doing, as we're always trying to and never quite getting to so far, um, smaller releases with you know, say half a dozen modules, tops, a couple other features, that's a lot easier to handle. That's a lot easier to fix bugs in and get fixes out as soon as possible. And I think it's easier all round, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds for like it. this kind of mod. Yeah, it's almost fortunate that uh, that you guys have sort of a mod scene to develop in, because if you were to make this into a retail game, I think it would be extremely difficult because you'd oh, have yeah. to get it all done at once. And that was your yeah. I mean, only something game. like Team Fortress Two, you couldn't do that in a modular way. You couldn't start off with just soldier versus soldier, and then add in the medic, and then add. <laughs> <laughs> that would yeah. suck. Like 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 we did right about a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> it would suck worse. Maybe. Going back to listener questions, I guess, and uh, kind of a kooky one here. Can you replace the uh, manhack minion screech with some lounge music? Do you guys? Actually, stemming from that, do you guys have any Easter eggs that you plan? Something crazy, fun, exciting? Head crab squishing. Yeah, I guess that's one of them. <laughs> Actually, we have a module that was in the very first version. It's the only module Matthew has ever taken out. Um, it was my favourite, although I agree, it totally broke the server. It was called Headcrab Revenge. And basically, when you had this module, every time someone shot you, it could only tick up to once every 10 seconds or something like that. Every time someone shot you, it would create 1 to 10 headcrabs behind them that would just attack them. And very quickly, the entire server filled up with too many AIs and it crashed and it was a complete waste of time but it was great fun and Matthew's always been telling me one day we'll put that as an easter egg well I'm still waiting for that day and I've not forgotten that, <laughs> that is something I want to see badly I would love to see that the, how, how annoying would that be just think about it it was the most annoying module you could possibly imagine <laughs> another question for you um, Andrew is um, are you planning on making any special considerations for custom maps so people can have uh, NC- NPC spawns to some extent? Well, all our maps are essentially... Well, when we add in a new team play-based game mode um, that we're talking about in 1.8, we hope, um, that will require custom maps, but um, specifically coded for it. But all our other maps are Half-Life Deathmatch maps, Half-Life 2 Deathmatch maps, and... There's a guide, or at least there's supposed to be a guide uh, get the dates um, that details exactly how all the entities you have to add to a Half-Life 2 deathmatch map to 
basically to get it working with all the different modes of modular combat. Um, NPC spawns, you, you place in-game specifically where you want NPCs to spawn. So one example of rather than just having NPCs go everywhere um, on the map, I'm not sure if this is in the current version, Cloud City, um, Matthew was doing the spawns and the node graphs and things for that, and he decided to make the, there's a white room there with a big door, he decided to make that a safe room, so no monsters will spawn in there, no monsters will go in there, my phone will ring, um, <laughs> sorry, um, and... Yeah, I mean, if someone is setting up a map for modular combat or just wanting to change the spawns uh, for an existing map for modular combat, you can really make NPCs spawn wherever you like. You can block off particular areas. You can do all sorts of things, really, and we definitely want to go more down that path. We're hoping to be able to, in a future version, to be specified, um, even let the players move around all the weapon spawns and things like that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um... I want to ask Joe a few questions, but I can't think of anything. Joe, you're so quiet. <laughs> yeah, I'm he not just quiet. Makes it My microphone's just muted. <laughs> He's probably yelling at you guys. Joe, uh, yeah, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Joe, what, what's uh, do you work on any other mods? Any QA for anything else? No. Good. Just modular combat. How did you? How did you come? Uh, how did you come to work with Matt? Muscled his way in. Really. Well, he had yeah. lots of suggestions for balance changes and things like that, and it became far more sensible to just listen to him automatically rather than to take everything he said on a uh, case-by-case basis. <laughs> I, I will say this about Joe. Joe is very, um, very dedicated tester, and he's um, he's put a lot of work into managing the the quality assurance side of modular combat, even when I was on a sabbatical, kind of break from it. Mm -hmm. um, he really kept the testing alive and uh, he's, he's been a very important part of the team so I, I really appreciate that I'm able to work with someone who has the dedication like that. And I don't think enough teams really care that much about quality assurance and QA testing. I, I mean it doesn't really matter I guess that much for a single player mod but for multiplayer I mean it's it's key right and it's more important mm. in some respect than you know the visuals of a mod. So Joe what kind of uh, suggestions would you have for multiplayer mod developers out there who want to take Q&A seriously? What sort of pointers would you give them? Get people who are serious about it, but also who have a sense of humor. Hmm. Why, is that? Why do, do people take it too seriously? Like, do they, do they just get serious faces and just start drinking coffee and frown all the time? And Yeah, and then it just gets really boring and people decide, like, okay, this isn't fun anymore and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> you have to have a team that works together really, really well, and having a sense of humor, at least with modular combat quality assurance, is absolute key. We can't have people fighting on the server and people who don't get jokes, people who don't laugh. Of course. Yeah. Okay, I guess going back to the uh, listener questions, um, a discussion is sort of broken out from custom player models or variations of player models. It sort of comes from Arkenfell's original question. Do you guys plan on an actual HEV Mark Mark Six? Um, not really sure what you mean by that, but do you guys hope to do some custom player models? Maybe a new HEV suit. Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing that one thing that we would love to do in the future is work with a few modelers and kind of designing the new look of each players. So each com instead of you know wearing rebel clothes or combines outfits or aperture science, 
pajamas or whatever. You know, you're <laughs> actually gonna be able to <laughs> you're actually gonna be able to um put on like a customized suit for your faction. I really want some aperture science pajamas. Me You'll too. be able to have <laughs> Well let me uh let me ask you, um uh, someone had a question. Uh what at what age did you guys start with the uh, source engine? Twenty one. When did source come out again? Two thousand four. Yeah. Well, I started slightly with a uh, gold source when I guess I was sixteen, um, and I kind of naturally progressed onto source when it came out, and with a few breaks here and there, been doing it ever since really. So sixteen. What about what about mudkips? Do you guys like mudkips? Uh, do we have to? Uh, <laughs> I'm not asking these yeah. questions. This is this is. Uh... Can I can I has no mud kips? Yes. <laughs> Matt, the big question I guess comes from uh Kaijor Kaijor. Will the mod ever become an independent game? We've sent a we sent an email or two to Valve, we haven't got a response back. For Steamworks? Uh, for Steamworks. I think that would be the first step towards becoming an independent game. Mm. Um what we're what we're what we're doing now would definitely cater itself to um, a deathmatch style game, um, but I think I think a lot of us just work work on modular combat as a hobby. Right. Like we really just enjoy putting a lot of cool new features into the game, and I don't I, I don't know of any other game that has so many different um, stuff you could do. Like I don't know any game that I can cloak or teleport at the same time or use jetpack or spawn minions when i want to and sure. yeah we, we like we like we like putting a lot of new features in so it, if we become an independent game it would require a much larger more dedicated team than what we have now what a what about guns? It's something that we always ask, but it's it's we always have to. Do you plan on replacing all the weapons, or is that it depends on the? I'm sure the the resistance will you know stick with the standard weapons, and maybe the combine will get more tactical, like MP5s and AR7s and crap, and Aperture will get their own weird things. But do you guys plan on doing that? I've been giving Matt hell about this forever. <laughs> this is this is my official stance on Half-Life Two Deathmatch weapons. Um, I've been saying this since we started. They suck balls. Replace them. They're, the they're so bad. I, I played Half-Life 2 Deathmatch before I started Modular Combat, and I wondered why anyone would ever play Half-Life 2 Deathmatch. <laughs> Apparently people do. I don't understand. But I came from playing Quake. Okay. I can't. <laughs> the shotgun sucks. <laughs> hey. If only uh, Dave was here to comment on how much he loves the like, Half-Life 2 shotgun. <laughs> He really does enjoy it. I came from playing Quake too. The shotgun sucks so bad that they had to downgrade the amount of ammunition it holds from Half-Life 1. It doesn't even hold ah. 8 shells anymore. It holds 6. Yes. We have a module for that. Bullshit is that. <laughs> <laughs> that, should, that should be your new slogan. We have a module for that. Modular yeah. Combat. We have a module for that. <laughs> That's good. Herpes, we have a module for that. <laughs> Um, we, you, you gotta understand. I came from I came from playing a fast, fast paced deathmatch game like Quake Two, mm -hmm. which, which is my opinion one of the best deathmatch games out there ever made. Um, 
So coming into a much slower paced gameplay of Half-Life 2 Deathmatch just really made me upset. <laughs> so I've been wanting to replace those weapons for a while, but we haven't had the talents until probably last week to do it. So getting to what, back to what Emmanuel was saying about the resistance using all the standard weapons, hell no. <laughs> they'll probably keep the crossbow, they'll probably keep the gravity gun, and some other, maybe a couple other things that you know were made for the resistance. Shotgun. But, no. No. We want to replace the shotgun. We want to make it better. Did you, did you ever play Rocket Crowbar? Oh, yes. <laughs> hell yes. Do you remember the shotgun that shot scientists that exploded? That was fantastic. We have a module. you can implement Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure that would make my life complete. I would love that. We have a module for that. That's a great line. <sighs> well, um, that was the last pressing issue I have. Uh, I mean, someone who plays the mod, I'd love to see new guns, honestly. I mean, the new sounds are a step in the right direction for sure, but, you know, new guns would be great. I think. Mm -hmm. We got some last minute. We got some last minute listener audio or listener questions, and they want to know. Um, Siphon wants to know if you had the time or the team. I guess I think he means time. Um, would you make it in a total conversion in the sense of new map, new characters, new enemies, to the point where it's in fact your own game and not based on the HL2 universe, or do you want to sort of keep it around the HL2? This is a topic I've been so conflicted on for most of the development of modular combat is because I love the Half-Life universe. I love, I love the idea that I can slip my game and my ideas into that universe and take all those different things like, you know, the Magnusian gun or the gravity gun or whatever and all those just basic ideas and put them all together in a mod and just slip into that universe. But at the same time, being able to create your whole new stories and whole new ideas can be such a satisfying experience to see that when you play your game, like this is something that I came up with and created. Mm -hmm. And I think Winston can agree with me on that, that having those completely new ideas implemented would be really cool. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I see where we're going is towards a more and more kind of a certain corner of the Half-Life universe rather than somewhere separate or somewhere wholly within it. Mm -hmm. We're kind mm -hmm. of, there's a rock in the corner and we're under that rock. If uh, if if you found out that Half Life Three, let's say Half Life Three is announced tomorrow, and one of the features of uh, Half Life Three is a modular HEV suit, who would you kill? Would, <laughs> would it be Gabe Newell or everyone? Dog Lombardi? I I wouldn't kill anyone. I would be. I'd be like, great. Really now we have a new model. <laughs> now we have a new model we can use. <laughs> True. Like, well, great. Someone someone else created an asset. Awesome. <laughs> um, Arkenfell wants to know: Will you add a laser rifle? And with that, I guess, can you hint at any of the uh, the aperture science weapons that you plan on implementing? I mean, you've already mentioned the melee weapon, but we haven't gone terribly far down that road. We have. Uh, we have. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> we. You can actually check our mod DP page. We actually have screenshots of the new aperture weapon. Oh. I think apart from that, sorry. And. The thing, the concept, we're just, we're just, we're just, we've been talking concept with my lead design guy, and the thing for Aperture Science is we're we're envisioning them as a wild, crazy company, where like like Tim Burton world-esque kind of thing, where like, where just the wackiest things happen, and like portal technology is supposed to be used for shower curtains. 
like taking that concept and that idea and applying it to weapons. <laughs> like I I create I created this weapon to open a can, but you know, it's a nuke. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your favorite faction? Like when you play, what what do you what are you three? What what are your respective favorite factions? Resistance. Um, until they added the new melee weapon, I would have said resistance, but no aperture. Definitely aperture. Joe? I love those pajamas, aperture. <laughs> <laughs> so I think aperture's going to be a big hit. What else in the future do you have for modular combat? Anything that you can tell us? Um, weapon upgrades, maybe? Yeah, um, we're going to have a new system where we, where we're, you'll be able to choose your own spawning weapons. You'll have a pool of points. Uh, that you can kind of customize your own weapon out loadout, and from that, when you level up, you're gonna have weapon points that you can upgrade your weapons to change its functionality or upgrade the damage or refire or recoil. So that's a whole other layer that we haven't even tapped into yet for modular combat. So like modulars, modules into modules. Yeah. Yo, Yo dog. <laughs> we heard you <laughs> like modules, so we put mod. <laughs> Inside your module, so you can modulize while you modulize. So we have a module for that. It would be modulated. <laughs> um, I guess this is the last listener question that we can throw out there. Um, you mentioned the Magnuson device. Will you be able? Do you have any ideas on what you want to do with the Magnuson device? Trippin' Hobbit asks, um, "Could you strap it to yourselves and explode on people?" Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if there's that much we could really do realistically with a magazine itself i mean some sort of suicidal module self-destruct module there was one of those in the contest actually um as for actually strapping a magazine onto yourself do it i think that'd be more kind of fun <laughs> i mean i can see a I lot do that of... with grenades all the time yeah I'll see the way you strap a magazine onto a strider in episode two if you do that onto another player and they couldn't get it off and anyone that shot it would kill them that would be awesome fun but if we do use magnitions, they have to be fun. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on with the interview, um, let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about this contest. So, Matt, how about you run down the details for anybody who's just tuning in about the contest, and then I guess we can announce the winners. All right. Well, we recently mounted all the content from episode two, so we can make use of the new monsters, the new skins, the new features, and it just. Basically, all the all the new assets that Episode Two have given us, and we know that it alienated some of the players, some of our really key community players, because they didn't own Episode Two. But the um, so what we wanted to do is we really want to say, hey, you know that sucks that you can't play our game, so we're gonna give away three free copies of Episode Two, and we wanted to do this through a contest. And the thing is. When we, as we continue to grow as a mod and get more and more, uh, more and more players, it's harder to listen to the community because there's so much coming to you all at once. So we thought, hey, you know, we haven't really implemented any uh, modules from player suggestions in a while. Let's do it that way. So we got all the contest entry, all the people, contest applicants to submit three module ideas. And from those three ideas, we, we selected what we thought would be the best, made any kind of changes that we needed to just for bounce and bounce purposes. And then we threw up a poll with um, GoDaddy, which um, actually Nick did. Poll Daddy. 
and um, what um, people went there and they voted for what they thought would be the best module to put into the game. So community has been such a big part of what modular combat is. Without the community, we we, we wouldn't really be we wouldn't be any kind of mod at all. So this whole contest is just geared towards you know th saying to the community, hey, thanks for playing our game, and we are listening. So that's that's the rundown of the contest and what we um, came up with. So tell us about sort of, um, I mean, let's not go into detail about all the modules. People can really look into them if they want on the contest pull daddy site. But tell us maybe about your favorites or now that the vote voting results are in, I guess we can throw in some bias. And uh, Yeah, we actually, we have uh, the uh, selected the winners already. Talk about your go. favorite first, Matt, because Matt had one favorite from the outset. Isn't actually one of them, unfortunately. Oh, which one was my favorite again? It's been a while since. Lucky I... Charm. Oh, Lucky Charm. Yeah, Lucky Charm did actually make it into the contest. It was not one of the winners, it unfortunately. It, that really upset me. I almost cried when I found out. That uh, doesn't mean it, we can't implement it. At we later we apparently exactly. apparently apparently you don't have a module for that then. But... <laughs> we don't have a module for that yet. The one you're yeah. looking for. <laughs> Were these, so were these entries... Lucky Charms. What's that? Lucky Charm is player is going to gain about a 0.5 to 5% chance to gain a random module benefit for 1 to 10 seconds every time they earn experience from killing an enemy. So whenever you kill someone, there's going to be a certain percent chance that you're going to gain a random module benefit, like, you know, strength or resistance or plague or whatever for 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. And we're we're gonna have it select from a pool of modules that we think would be suitable for this kind of thing. Have Have you guys had a, a suggestion for a Terry Tate module? A Terry Tate module. Oh, Dude. that's right. You, you guys are Canadian. Never mind. Continue. I don't know what that is. You never seen Terry Tate, the office linebacker? Don't think so. Oh, okay. oh is that the guy that just it's tackles the... people randomly yeah. in offices? Yeah. Okay, yeah. That. that that would be a good module. Like you, you just have like an ant line spawn out of nowhere and. Oh, never mind then. <laughs> Why didn't you submit a contest entry? We have a module will? for that. <laughs> they, they will. Actually, you know what? We have a monster for that. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, did you guys get a good response from the community when you announced this interview? It's, oh. I, I saw the uh, ModDB page, and people were, like, drawing pictures and stuff. It was pretty badass. We, I'm so happy with the um, contest entries. We got a lot of... Different, different ideas and different entries. Uh, some of them, some of them were cool, and some of them weren't so great. Um, we're gonna talk about one that was um, rejected here. Can you think of one that was just not that great at all, Winston? Without offending someone, um, the most difficult one, I think. Well, the worst one. I mean, it's a cool idea and it sounds cool, but for actual gameplay, it would really be impossible to make balanced. Was a, a module that stuns people for three seconds when you hit them with a melee weapon. Mm. Given that you could then hit them again within that three seconds, um, that seemed like an impossible module because if it hits, if it works at all, you can kill them in that three seconds. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's not it's not that great of a module idea what? just for balance. Right. Sorry. Go so ahead. I was just going to say, so I guess go take it away, Matt. Tell us the winners and tell us sort of the rundown of the results. All right. Well, 
the rundown, we had, I believe, over 143 entries all said and done. Um, votes, 143 different people voting. Um, after we we had a, had a couple of problems, but we 143 people voted, and I'm just trying to get the that document up. Sorry. Somebody voted more than once. <laughs> yeah, someone did. Someone voted more than a hundred times, actually. They thought they could get away with it, didn't they, Matt? They no, did. Not not here on Podcast 17. We take our shit seriously. That's for sure. <laughs> we do not play. We are watching you. Actually, we play all the time. <laughs> what, are, what are people thinking? We've got a Spartan and a Roman in, in one podcast. We will spear you in the face. And Nick's pretty much a robot. So. He is. <laughs> he has no emotion. He'll just lay the smack down on anybody that crosses his path. Yeah. Yeah. So so the dodgy results, we graphed them and I mean we have the IP addresses anyway, so we can tell duplicates. But what made this one particularly obvious was that the module I won't name which one it was, got an awful lot of first choice votes, but almost no second or third choice votes. <laughs> Which just made it stand out right away as being a bit odd. Yeah. People, people. Well, that's the winners now. Okay. Um, people's first choice favorite vote was um, ghost, which is definitely the most interesting of the modules for me, anyways, and my personal favorite. After Lucky Charm, which I just thought would be funny, but it's an active and passive module, so it gives the player the most um, interesting thing. So what does do? It's gonna do. It's gonna increase players' transparency. Basically, turning them into a ghost from 0.6 to 66%. So they're going to be partially visible. And they're also going to be gain the ability to completely ghost any attack. So, what that is, is even though the, the bullet might have hit you, it's going to completely pass through you. And you'll, you'll have a certain percentage chance to completely ghost any kind of attack at all. Looks like you can also walk through props, or that was a suggestion feature. Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's the that's the second part of the module. Okay. You're, you're actually you're actually going to be able to activate that. Through, you'll be able to walk through any kind of prop for five seconds. Nice. So that sounds that gonna, overpowered. The, that sounds hard to implement, Winston. Are you scared? Um, I'm a little bit scared, but I think <laughs> it'll be okay. Um, the third winner, um is my favorite one ghost was my second and it's my favorite one because it's a lot harder than ghost to code i think um <laughs> that's what i'm scared of but we'll get there and alex alex teixeira is the, is the one who um suggested this and i believe that they're in the live stream right now there so you go. congratulations congratulations yeah you, even though you probably already have episode two no, um, everyone who entered the everyone who entered the contest was required not to own episode two. Oh, cool! So, all all these people are are going to be getting a free copy of episode two. And one of them's uh, this, from me, right? I think one, one of them, them is me. from you. Yeah. One of them yeah. better be from you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really. <laughs> no, one of them. Uh, second place winner is Head Crab Canister. It's an active module. What it's going to do is you're going to point at the ground and teleport in a Head Crab Canister. Containing one to five masterless head crabs, which are level one to ten. I loved this module. This head, the head crabs are gonna hate the first person they see more than anyone else, and they're gonna go after them. I thought that was. Kill one. them. Was I like that. Do you yeah, get the experience from. for the kills from those uh, 
headcrabs? Winston? What do you I, think? I, I would. <laughs> I think. I think I would prefer. I would. I would prefer that. It's just we need to um, look in the codes. We could, start, we could code that if you would prefer that way. We could certainly code that. I think it makes sense. You just got to be careful because so you don't get experience from your own head crabs killing yourself. That'd be hilarious. Ah. You should get negative experience. <laughs> no, you should just exactly. get kicked from the server. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, speaking, could I could I have a module where I just point at someone, disconnect them? <laughs> That's gonna be like that's the magic Winston admin module. <laughs> we have a module for that. That would be no, that would be bro. I want an AOE attack where I just stomp the ground and everyone within a ten foot radius just disconnects and and it uninstalls the game. They have to reinstall. <laughs> and who's that from, Matt? Who did the uh, that, canister? That was from Arca Deus Grisa, and I had a hard time trying to figure out how to how to say that. Hopefully, I didn't butcher it too bad. And I'm not sure if they're in the live stream, but uh, congratulations anyways, and we'll be in contact. And the, the third and final module, which I'm not very, I'm personally not very happy about the selection, but that's just because I oh, think it's going to be hard to do. And But at the end, it's going to be so cool. It's going to be really cool. be cool to look at. It's slow motion. It's an active module. Player creates a large slow motion field around themselves, which affects all enemies and projectiles within range for five seconds. The speed is reduced by five to seventy-five percent. Sounds like a uh, power up in UT three. That's gonna be awesome. Localized bullet time. That is gonna be the and it's doable because it's been done in like fifteen different mods. Two of them were uh, single player. I mean uh, multiplayer. So. So if somebody yep. enters your field, your field of slow mo, will they also go slow mo? Yeah, and if you go outside it, you won't be slow. Oh, okay. So it's a, so it's a static field. Not it doesn't yeah. move with you. That's no. cool. That'll it's, be really cool. It's gonna be cool and difficult to balance and implement. And I can imagine slow mo fields happening everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I just I just imagine some camper with a turret, just creating one. That but, um. But then like, all his bullets from the turret go slow, and people will be able to exactly. I can't, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for someone to launch an explosive barrel. I mean, just slow-mo and then pick it up and throw it right back. That's great. <laughs> I see that being Hot really potato. cool. Yeah. yeah. These are going to be implemented sometime after we release 1.5, and we're in development for 1.8. 1. 1. 1.75, sorry. 7.5, yes, sorry. And... <laughs> We're we're gonna we're gonna be developing this and alongside 1.8 and then release them in in a separate update, just kind of a post 1.75 update. And who so the, uh, who suggested slow mo? Um, this oh. was Trim Horgan. Horgan, Horgan. Um, I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna think it's Tim Horgan. And <laughs> also known as Pancake Splitter. Is it Pancake Splitter? Yes, Pancake Splitter. Oh, yeah, congratulations. Splitter. <laughs> and a splitter. Uh, well, I guess so, those are the winners. Those are congratulations, the winners. winners. Congratulations. Yeah. You'll all be receiving a free copy of Episode 2. So we'll, yeah. be adding, we'll be adding it to our friends list and gifting you that copy through Steam. Okay, well, that's exciting. This is probably one of the most exciting 
contests we've had on Podcast 17, even though the only other contest we had was Photoshop the Picture Contest. But... <laughs> that was, no, that was good. Someone did a really good job on those, so... <laughs> really, really good. Well, moving on to the last bit of the episode, um, we got the Planet Philip poll question. Before we do that, Emmanuel, you wanted to do last week's question as well? Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, okay. The question is... Is copyrighted music in a mod okay? And I have to say yes. And I was really taken back by the results of the poll because the poll was like 75-25 for no, it is not. And that blows me away because it should make sense. You should be able to do that. Like, If you're not selling your mod, it's free. So what's the big deal? How is it wrong to use someone else's music? It just doesn't make sense. I'm not selling these burn discs of music. I'm just giving them away. That's the way I'm looking at it. It's and still someone else's work. And no. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Dan. But actually, the results of the poll have switched, Emmanuel. It's 64-36 now for, yeah, it's cool. Okay, good. Um, my, problem, my, my, my problem with this, and I just want to put my input on this, is that would you take someone else's modu- mar, um, models without their permission and put it into your mod? Would you take someone else's textures, someone else's maps or whatever and put it into your mod? I would ask for Same permission thing. first. Did we already? <laughs> See? No. See, I, here's the thing. I would permission. ask for permission first. And 90% of the time, you will not get response back. There was only one time I did, and this was with Venetian Snares, and he actually said, yeah, just don't you know, don't make any money off of it. And, the, and also, for instance, the BBC in, in the UK does this, and they have no problem because they're not selling it. And the reason it is okay is because they're not – releasing the full tracks of songs if you watch top gear they use like nothing but you know licensed drm lane music but the thing is they only use like 10 to 15 second snippets of it i'm sure they pay a ton for it they don't they don't pay any money for it i think the question is misleading because it doesn't mention anything about permission yeah so you try and ask for permission if you don't get any response I, I still think it's okay if you don't get a response it, it isn't until you get a cease and desist but even then if you're only using 10 to 15 second intervals then all you're doing is is spreading the music i mean people are going to go want to find it and buy it then because they've heard it but they don't have the full thing so now if you're releasing the full mp3 tracks and just sourcing them in the mod i guess you have a problem because then you're just giving the music away. but i know i sort of ran into this issue with podcast 17 actually um before today we had our intro music as it was called half-life extended and a guy created it um and i tried contacting him asking for permission but he didn't he didn't contact me back or anything i tried everything i looked on his site and i got all his contact information that he publicized and i actually talked to a lawyer about this i didn't actually seek a lawyer out i was doing work in a lawyer's office and i asked a lawyer about it you know sort of on the side and he said yeah it's sort of like an unresponsive agreement that you can use it so there are such a thing there is there is such a thing as sort of an unresponsive agreement that you can use their their things but make sure you talk to somebody about that first and uh emmanuel's right you can't use like more than 30 seconds or 20 seconds or something like that without breaking copyright laws can't remember what but you got to be careful with this sort of stuff you can get in a lot of trouble but look at look at those trailers i mean the music is half of the trailer if you do not use good music it just ruins it and not all of these mod developers have the resources of ed harrison like for neo tokyo it's so i i think it's okay it's just you know be intelligent about it seek approval and 
know, just be reasonable. Don't use eight minutes of an eight-minute song. Mm-hmm. Just be human about it. So I th- And I think it's utterly important, period. Right. And I guess we got uh, Emmanuel's, uh, Emmanuel's, Phillips this week poll question moving right along. And I think it's poll 133. Let me just double-check that so I don't play something wrong. Yeah, it's 133. Um, I'm just going to cue this up. Okay, here we go. And this is his question. Planet Philip 133. Hi, Philip here with poll question 133. Does the history of a mod affect your review? I mean, if it's made by one person or a team of ten, if it's taken one week or a year to make, does that affect your review? I can't see how it wouldn't. So, that's his question. Um... I guess does the history of the of the mod affect your review? Um, he he then goes into a little bit more discussion, asking about you know sort of the size of the team. But I want to look at Emmanuel right now and ask him: Does the history of a mod affect your review, Emmanuel? Of course it does. <laughs> <laughs> you, That's what I thought your answer was going to be. But first of all, do you think I will ever play Firearm Source? Yeah, See, you know, you know, this is. Okay, the firearms team is going to hate us for this, but they are sort of the team to discuss about this. Them and firearms too. Would their previous engagement with each other affect your review? And it's going to somehow sit in your mind subconsciously, I think, in some way, shape, or another. But I like to sort of um, distance myself from those sort of things because you've got a final product sitting in front of you. It shouldn't matter what happened before that. But... uh, if they've sort of made people's lives hell in the future, I'm not saying firearms, either firearms team did this, but let's just say a hypothetical mod team were giant dicks in the community. Um, would that affect your review if their mod was absolutely amazing? Maybe. Subconsciously, I think it would, yeah. Uh, and it's, um, like... The only way it affect, it would affect me, and I've I've done this with like reviews in Neo Tokyo, is if it takes a certain amount of time, like say six years, and there's only a tiny amount of content, then it would come up. But otherwise, not really. But then you have these situations like research and development where you hear nothing about them. You find out they were made in six months, and they're as good as they are. It just makes you like it even more. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. On both sides of the coin, you have the benefits and the and the downside of it. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, actually, because there's been times oh, where I say this mod is awesome, considering it's only been developed you know, in a two week period, and that's sort of the history of the mod affecting my review. So most definitely. Yeah, and that that goes to say for most things. Um, the Lamborghini Miura from 1970 was made in two weeks by a bunch of, you know, know nothing. So that's part of the, the lure of why it's such a great car is because it's, you know, it's got a personality and a history to it. And the, thing, the same thing can be applied to mods. You know, the mod team is what makes up, is what makes it up, you know. And mods are typical in the sense that you can tell a lot about a mod just by the people who make it. Neo Tokyo is made by very serious people without a sense of humor, and you can see that in the mod because it's everything's perfected in a way. And then you look at modular combat, you know, you have a bunch of guys who are very dedicated, and as we can see, they, they have a sense of humor, and they, they have just as much fun making the mod as they do playing it. So a lot of it, I think, when not that we review mods very much anymore, we just tell you if it's good or not, you know, 
a lot of it you, you can it, a lot of it comes from the the story of the mod i think mm-hmm. well the recent fun. the current results on planet fill up are uh 39 61 split with uh 61 for no so most people think no it doesn't affect their review but at the same time i think a lot of the players the people voting on this are just sort of players you know what i mean they're just gaming fanatics that they don't really follow most mods and their history so to us it's a little bit different since we have to follow this sort of stuff i want to hear matt's take matt what do you think i think it's how you do um treat your community if um if someone has a specific problem with the mod as in they can't play the game or like one model looks off and the development team approaches you like you know well it's your problem with it because we did it right <laughs> that's 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 when I start having a problem with the de- development team. But if you see like if you see the development teams taking care of their community and nurturing them and doing everything they can to work with them to help enjoy the game, then that's when I think a history of the mod starts, or history of 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 the mod starts um starts being playing a bigger role mm-hmm. in my review. Yeah, I mean I don't know I'm. I'm I'd say it would affect my impression definitely, but it's hard to say how because if a really good mod is made in a really short time, that's really impressive. I, I can I'll be jealous of that, of course, but I mean that's really a, an achievement. Similarly, if a really good mod is made and it takes it five years, but the end product you can clearly see there's five years of hard work in there. I would prefer the longer, but I don't know. I, I see. I can see that as a labor of love. I can see that as being more, involving more dedication putting in a lot of effort over a long time than an extreme amount of effort over a shorter time. So either way, I find it impressive, to be honest. I think the ones that aren't impressive are ones that are middling developed times, development times. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, too. But, you know, that, that's just a given. It's people, you make your first judgments about someone within 10 seconds. So, and believe it or not, we do it for everything, including mods, so... I think that's pretty important. And that's what PR is about. PR is to make sure that, you know, reviewers think, oh, that's awesome. These people are awesome. So <laughs> it's true. That's part, that's part of the, their job. You know, just we have a module for that. <laughs> for <laughs> those do. history buffs out there, for anybody who follows communication studies, PR was actually a byproduct of propaganda. There, there's mm-hmm. some food for thought. There you go. Thank you. Thank so you. Think about Freud. I, I pose you and this hypothesis. The mod we, we said was shit today, what was it called again? Prison? Prison. How, what would you right. think of the mod if you found out that it was made by some 18-year-old Kenyan with uh, $4 in his name on a i386 processed computer <laughs> who was using it to raise money for his family in Uganda? Well, what would you say about the mod then? You'd say it's fantastic, wouldn't you? I'd it's help awesome. him to make it better. Exactly. You, we wouldn't <laughs> just say it's shit. So, of course, it makes it better. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's shit. I'd say, okay, well, if you're doing that, you need to do it a lot better, and here's how. Right. Here, we'll help you. But but that's that's just my stance on it. And I think, I believe that's the end of the podcast, isn't that what? Yeah, but oh. hold on, hold on a sec, hold on a sec. I just want to tell listeners, if they want to vote on the poll, they can head over to Planet Phillip, www.planetphillip.com. The most recent poll is the one we're talking about right now, 133. It's on his website. You can vote and you can comment. So if you have anything to add or subtract or if you want to cast your own vote, go for it. Um, speak your voice over at uh, planetfeld.com. So with that said, I think that's the end of the episode. You, 
you just had to have the, have the last word, didn't you? Huh? No, you can just let it go. I wanted to promote Planet Killer <laughs> because I think it's we, great we do not Brian mommy fighting. <laughs> We're not. No, no, no. I'm just saying Planet Philip promotes us. We are just a byproduct of the great and vast resource that we we recognize as, as Planet Philip. We're just the auditory version of it. We we are merely midgets standing on the shoulder of a giant. Okay. It's true, actually. I'm not. <laughs> what is and that? Dan's... Who is wrestling an alligator in the background? Dan in his microphone. It's probably my terrible microphone. Yes. Jesus. Give a module for that. <laughs> I th- and I think on that on that note, it's time to end the podcast. Yes, I thank do you for have... tuning in, and thank you, Matt and uh, thank Andrew. Thank you so and much Joe. for coming. Yes, thank you very much. I think Thanks we should end the podcast with the karaoke of Bohemian Rhapsody. How about it? Okay. <laughs> All right, you start. You start, right. Amanda. All right, I will. One, two, three. Is this a real yes. life? Is this just fantasy? On a landslide, no escape from reality. Dad, I'm a heterosexual. Actually, the reason the reason I do that is to have a video to the skies and see. I'm just a poor boy. Something or other. <laughs> no need for fantasy. Cause I'm easy come, easy come. Okay, I guess we're done. See you guys next week. Tune in the podcast seventeen. Goodbye. Adios. Sorry about that. Bye. 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 Bye.